Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Human superstitions written by anti-money squandering. Gwine, was it? That is correct. Michael, didn't see your name as part of the crew, independent passenger, or, um... Or, um... Gwine smiled over his slightly steaming cup of coffee and took a sip. Michael waited for a moment for him to continue... When he did not, he turned his attention back to the breakfast in front of him rather than endure the silence any longer. The two men sat in the mess hall of the HMS Beagle, which was bustling with hungry early risers. Michael cut into her tomato, causing it to spurt red juice to cascade out onto the table. He swore softly, but Gwine simply smiled wider. I suppose you would classify me as both in a way. I was hired in a mercenary capacity. Michael looked up and failed to hide the look of surprise that briefly crossed over his face. He nodded and looked back down at his breakfast, his cheeks reddening slightly. Gwine seemed unperturbed, calmly sipping at his coffee. He wore his hair unfashionably long and hanging in intricate braids, accentuating the odd dark auburn hair. He also seemed real thin, as if the coffee that he so enthusiastically imbibed was all the nourishment he took. Michael himself was by no means considered muscular, but he also did not portray himself as a soldier. He coughed awkwardly when he realized he was staring and pushed his now empty plate away. He poured himself a coffee and after a moment leaned over the top of Gwines, who nodded protectively. Really like coffee, huh? Michael remarked, leaning back in his chair and gazing over at his eccentric additional companion. I'm still getting used to being up this late, more mentally than physically, of course, Gwine answered, finally putting his cup down and tapping his fingers on the table. They clicked audibly and Michael noticed that the nails were clean, shaped but long. They had become something of a fashion statement amongst the other men of late, though theirs were usually also brightly colored. He hardly wondered if he should try it with the man's word registered with the frown. He looked back at his face. It's 8 a.m., he said, looking around at the ship members who chatted quietly as they ate. He laughed and turned back. Late night, huh, buddy? They often are, Gwine replied, smiling again but stopping to wrapping his fingers on the table. Tell me, Michael, if it is not too rude to pry, what made you decide to join this vessel? Michael gulped some of his coffee while he thought on the question. He knew what he told his mother, of course, to convince her not to worry. His father had been all for it before spouting off some of his usual ramblings about Mother Earth, that she'd always been with him even if in the depths of space. The image brought a smile to his face and after a moment he lowered his cup to the table and shrugged. Usual story, I guess. Money is good, very good, probably, due to the risks. Given where we're going, who we're meeting, and I suppose I wanted the adventure. The chance to go to places humanity has never gone before. And when we had that first contact, 
actual aliens, you have to jump at the opportunities like that. You certainly do, Michael. You certainly do. What about you, Gwine? A mercenary must have been the money, right? The corporation feuds seem to have died down recently. Doubt there's much work for you these days. Or are you an adventure seeker, too? Gwine nodded, causing his braids to shake slightly, and resumed his tapping on the table. As he did rhythmically, first with his fingers stabbing down, to be followed swiftly in succession by the others. The noise drummed out over and over, until Michael found that all he could hear was the repeated beating on the table. You know, Michael, there are a myriad of reasons for me joining this expedition. This fleet, my family warned against it, of course, but I explained my reasoning. They failed to join me still. They are rather stuck in their ways. Old-fashioned. The drumming continued, a thrum in the air that vibrated throughout Michael's frame. It encompassed his senses, though he still focused on Gwine staring back at him. His hands now crossed under his chin, the throbbing continued, the pressure increased. On a spaceship such as this, day and night hold far less sway than they did back home. We are cut off from the sun's rays and that of other stars inside here, protected by layers of shielding and metal. The day is recorded only through artificial lights. So here, on the ship spiraling through the grey black of space, we are all awake together, the wolves wandering amongst the sheep. Michael felt the vein in his head twitch. His vision blurred slightly, and he hadn't had a migraine since he was a boy, but the precursor to one was still something he remembered vividly. He closed his eyes tightly for a second, seeking solace in the dark before finding himself staring, all the more entranced at the man opposite. There are smaller ships on board here, some freighters and some scout ships, difficult to pilot, I imagine, save for those trained in their use. So, for all intents and purposes, there is nowhere to go now we have begun our voyage. A long journey to the unknown, expertly provisioned for to ensure that everyone on board has more than adequate sustenance. Wine paused and lowered his hands to the table, palms flat and fingers spread out. Everyone. Michael found his gaze drawn down to those resting hands, the fingers long and seeming even more elongated by the tipped talons at the ends. As he stared, he could make out the bright blue veins seemingly lying just below the surface of the thin white skin that covered them. The drumming continued, but the pressure was steady now, a constant ache against him as the gravity had been increased. Did you know that it takes around 40% blood loss to kill you? Nearly half your blood. A large amount, wouldn't you agree? Four pints of blood. In an average male, an awfully large amount. One would have to be terribly greedy. No, a pint is sufficient. You've donated blood before, on Earth or on the station, yes? Only a pint. For those of us who are civilized in any case. What is happening? Do not worry about it, Michael. I don't intend to cause you harm. The effects are temporary. You will recover within an hour or two, maybe even develop a slight immunity. I do apologize for the inconvenience. I'll ensure you are compensated, but please indulge me for a few more moments. 
Guan sat up, his back ramrod straight, and briefly glanced around the wider room. Michael could perceive it as little more than a blur, like a heat shimmer above the road in the midst of summer. <sighs> Michael paused and moistened his lips before struggling to get the word out. Why? Why? Well, not what. Quine paused and tapped one slightly curved nail against a pale cheek. Your file said your parents raised you a pagan. Even with that slight resurgence in the last century, it is all still considered a novelty. A blurring of old true paganism and the tale's humanity has been turning itself since it had words to speak them. Most are atheists still, though some cling to the newer religions. That ridiculous technology one seems to have gained a lot of traction. But... I digress. Yes, it seems you know already what I am, don't you? That is part of why, Michael. I figured your mind more fertile than my dialogue than some of your colleagues. Why have I revealed myself at all? Now, that is a more interesting question. Gwine blew the air softly into Michael's face and felt the pressure lessen slightly and continuously, as if he was a diver returning to the surface. He breathed in and was surprised that his breath he inhaled smelt sweet, like fruit. We have always been there. Humanity's little superstitions were more than just that. You're actually a perceptive group, if rather dull in herds. We have watched humanity for centuries and stayed in the night in the collective fear that you'll feel of the dark. We have fed on you, yes, but we have protected you as well, recruited you in some instances, and when you took to the stars, we felt apprehension that you would leave us behind. Then, excitement as new chapter in our histories, at the thought of something truly new in lives that had exhausted nearly everything the world had to offer. When we saw that first meeting between you and a new species you found, living so far out here in the black, we felt something else, something we were not accustomed to feeding. Fear. Michael shook his head, his ears ringing slightly, but the pressure dropping even swifter, his headache fading as if it never was. You know what an apex predator is, Michael, the top of the food chain. Humanity always fancied itself an apex predator, and I suppose you are. But we are above you still, ancient predators that have changed little over the millennia. So trust me when I say when we saw the footage of that first meeting and we saw those creatures, we knew we were looking at predators. If our hearts still beat, they would have frozen at the sight of those things. They have espoused peace and prosperity, but we fear that they wish to only sow death amongst humanity. I doubt you will believe me, but in time you will see that I am trying to not deceive you. Sometimes it takes a monster to see one. Gwine smiled again, far wider this time, as the sounds of the mess hall began to flicker back in. The clinking of the cutlery and the cups. Michael ran a hand over his shorn head and opened his mouth, closing it again, silent. Gwine stood abruptly, his movements precise and coordinated. He walked around the table, bending down to speak, and Michael found himself leaning against his better judgment. It may also take a monster to kill a monster, Michael, which is where we come in. Humanity's own ancient monsters. 
and we're not going to give you up without a fight. End of story. Story number two. We respond in kind, written by no good ID names. Behold you now, the realms of man, from Exnar 9 to Talistan, by your humble caravan, or fierce ship of the line, if you would know our race's core, and whether to prepare for war. Remember this, and nothing more, that we respond in kind. Extend your hand into Concord, admit our diplomats aboard, offer the branch and not the sword, and we respond in kind. We greet your fleets with open arms, not a single soul will meet you armed. Rest assured, we mean no harm, for we respond in kind. Send to us your brilliant sparks, learned in the maths and arts. Teach us the songs and stars and charts, and we respond in kind. With our knowledge thus combined, hearts and thoughts and souls entwined, with leaps we'll make what grand designs, for we respond in kind. Give to us in times of need, regardless of our faith and creed. Heed our cries and hear our pleas. We respond in kind. In turn, if you call for reprieve, all we can give you will receive. When fate befalls, we too shall grieve, for we respond in kind. But should you carelessly aggress, seek to plunder and oppress, expecting nothing in redress, declare your case divine. Bring a full aside and ship's broadside, bring murder, slaughter, and genocide, mistake our race for one untried, and we respond in kind. And when your gates are stoven in, your armies dust upon the wind, your death shall educate your kin, that we Respond in kind. War song of Saul engraved in the meter-high letters on the bridge of the Terran flagship Mattis. End of story. Story number three. Fingers written by Dicemonger. Okay, so you know those monkey-looking creatures that moved in nearby? Yeah, the big Ennis ones. What about them? Well, I went over to take a look, to see if they might be worth interacting with, and, uh, oh man, you are looking immeasurably pleased with yourself. Okay, okay, listen to this. They are apparently called humans, and they have these things called fingers. Fingers? Is that something you can eat, or, ah, uh, no, no, it is something they have in their paws, though they call them hands. Anyways, on their front legs, they can also use them to, uh, you're getting that pleased expression again. Okay, so you know how good it feels when you scratch yourself. Well, it sat down and started scratching me with those fingers. And oh boy, it's like so good. Scratching doesn't even come close. So what? It's like grooming, licking yourself. It's even better. There's nothing like it. Okay, so here this. The human scratched me for like five seconds and then I just collapsed. It was so good, I couldn't control my body. And then I started purring. Like a kitten. Like a kitten. I just couldn't control myself. It was that good. I mean, if the human hadn't stopped, I might have been there for the rest of the day. I'm definitely going back tomorrow. 
Yeah, okay, you have fun with that. I have other stuff to do. They also, like, have so much food and they just give it out of anything that comes by. Oh, man, why didn't you say so? I'm coming too. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.